0: People, generally speaking, don't want to transform. They actually quite like doing what they did yesterday and the day before because there's a level of comfort that comes from that.
1: That's Errol Gardner, the Global Vice Chair for Consulting at EY.
0: We operate in over 150 countries and we've got uh, close to 350,000 employees as part of that consulting, which is now at about 100,000 employees on a global basis. A lot of what we're doing is focusing around transformation and what that means for our clients. Um, So, we're doing consulting in its generic sense, business-related technology, technology technology-related, as well as people and change.
1: Errol, you are the vice chair for consulting. and Can you give us some insight into what your role involves?
0: I very much overseeing the nature of the business that we're running, so it's, it's very much around defining the strategy of that business in terms of where we want to be as a business over a three-to-five-year time horizon, also then working with the leaders across our business to on, on the performance on a day-to-day basis, quarterly, uh, monthly, and annual basis, making sure that a lot of the global assets and infrastructure that we have and leverage are in place and are working for the benefit of all of our practitioners on a worldwide basis. And I also sit on the global executive of the firm and obviously represent the, the views and needs of consulting in that context. And as an aside as well, I also sponsor our global diversity and equity and inclusion initiative, which we is a social equity task force that we've set up looking at some of the diversity issues that we have around underrepresented minorities, both within EY, with our vendor and ecosystem community, as well as with our clients.
1: EY has been in the news quite a bit lately about a potential restructuring. Do you want to say anything about that?
0: We are undergoing a strategic review of our business. It's not the first time that we've done this. and um, We have made an announcement in the last a couple of days here that we will be taking a decision to our partners across the organization as to uh, essentially splitting into two multidisciplinary organizations. There's a whole series of reasons why we're doing that and some of the benefits that we imagine that will give to our clients, bring to our people, help with our regulatory um, position and how we're viewed. And and that's in in essence why we're doing this. So um, maybe there are some questions out there. Maybe they'll come in while we're doing it. That's maybe as much as I need to say at this point.
1: When you think about business transformation, what does it actually mean? It's one of these terms that we hear tossed about, like digital transformation. But what does it mean?
0: The critical part is the transformation aspect, if you like, rather than the label that goes before it. And ultimately, this is anything that we're doing, an organization is doing that is fundamentally changing some aspect of what that business, that organization does. So every business has a rhythm in which it operates on a day to day basis. Uh, some call that business as usual, if you like, but what it does, how it operates, how it's historically being able to deliver product to market, satisfy customers optimize its workflows, etc., etc. Transformation, by definition, is doing something fundamentally different to that. So, by definition, a little bit disrupting that rhythm with a specific objective and outcome um, to achieve something different as a consequence. It could be looking at the top line in terms of what you want to do in terms of great market share, sales and revenue opportunity. It could be about op- costs and efficiency and making sure that you um, are competing effectively uh, from a profitability standpoint. It could be changing the business model, the nature of products and services that you're selling, or it could be some of the strategic risks that you face as an organization.
1: On LinkedIn, Suman Kumar Chandra makes the point that uh, this terminology can mean very different things to different People, do you find that th- that there is confusion out there around what what do we mean by digital by business transformation?
0: It doesn't matter what people append to the term transformation per se. It's really if you you're a corporate, you're a government um, institution, um, an NGO, whatever you are. If you have a set of objectives, they could be commercial objectives, they could be other objectives. How do you go about achieving those on a day-to-day basis? And if there is a step change in the way that you will do that in the future, you can achieve that through transformation. That could be of your business model. It could be digital and technology-enabled. It could be the operating structures that you have in place. All of those things are examples of transformation. But I think the critical thing probably in today's age, and maybe we'll talk about this more, is I think transformation is becoming more endemic, as opposed to um, transactional, if you like, or happening every three to five years. I think it's is in many ways becoming the business as usual for most organisations.
1: When transformation becomes endemic and becomes business as usual, what does that imply for managing an organisation, leading an organisation?
0: What this is about is mindset and and call it corporate mindset, but as much as that obviously leadership mindset of those responsible for driving the organization forward. So if if you're an organization that has a mindset that you can embark on a big step change program once every three years, once every five years, and that will make the difference, then I think you're going to face challenging times ahead. But I think what the last two, three, four years have highlighted when you've had the interplay of of some of the geopolitical issues that we're currently experiencing, you've had the pandemic that people have had to respond to in its different cycles and the impact that that's had across the across the world. You've had all of the supply chain issues that have been caused by kinks and and con- consequential impacts of some of those, both for geopolitical reasons as well as um, some of the pandemic-related reasons. But then you overlay some of the other more pervasive business drivers that were always out there like digital you've mentioned so how do you move forward to be more technology enabled as an organization and then similarly the new one which is sustainability how do you become a much more sustainable business and operation i think all of these things when you layer them on top of each other are are going to drive organizations to think and contemplate over the next five to ten years there is a lot for them to to absorb, and change, and transform in order to succeed.
1: You're talking with uh, the leaders of, of many different kinds of organizations, many of them very large. Are there common patterns that you are seeing in terms of the way that they are relating to this shift where transformation is ongoing?
0: If I could maybe talk a specific example, one of the benefits that the pandemic brought was a degree of a burning platform that I think made businesses shift pivot change in a much more accelerated fashion than they historically had done so, which I think now people um, and leaders in many ways recognize therefore the impact that had as to well what how did we manage to pivot and change so quickly given that set of circumstances whereas historically it's been so much more difficult in the past. So how do we almost try and recreate those conditions without creating the negative aspects of that, of course, but recreate the conditions that make something like that successful? So the nature of the burning platform, getting the level of engagement and buy-in in in order for people to feel part of the necessity of that change going forward. And then also, of course, embracing technology and doing that in a, a very agile and accelerated fashion. So I think these are some of the behaviors that are changing now that leaders are in need to embrace. But I think you know, there's always a danger that people will revert back to type. So I think the, the challenges, the interdependencies between some of these different forces that are driving the change, I think it's really important that leaders get uh, a holistic view of those as they embark on how they're thinking about their strategic journey going forward.
1: I urge you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button at the top of our website so we can send you our newsletter. So, Errol, when you when you speak with uh, diff- with business leaders, can you identify certain traits, characteristics, or success factors for those organizations that are making this transition uh, more smoothly and more easily than than say others?
0: The pervasive nature of technology and all of the changes that we're looking to put in place that enable supply chains to optimize more effectively to connect digitally with your customers and launch new products and services and drive better distribution channels for your business. All of these changes ultimately still come down to people. And the, the common factor that makes, generally speaking, makes most um, transformations unsuccessful is something to do with people. So it's either the people at the top, so the leaders and the extent to which they created and evangelized the compelling vision for change, and done that in a way that is not about purely the corporate part of that, but also the emotional part of that. How do you connect to that? Be it, you're a customer of the business, you're a stakeholder in the business, you're an employee in that business. Secondly, then, the people that have to be critical to executing that program have changed so there's usually a core project team that are doing that so how are they incented how are they motivated what behaviors are encouraged within that program team in terms of openness to difficulties to challenges to risks to failures versus having a good news culture and making sure that only only the best of information is reported and then the third element is I mentioned business as usual earlier those not necessarily involved on a day-to-day basis on the change initiative or driving that forward, but ultimately those that would be the custodians of making it successful by transitioning it into the way that they operate on a day-to-day basis. So be it adopting new technology, a change of process, using new data sources, whatever it may be, are they open to doing that? Are they making, are they embracing that? So I think the organizations that connect with those three critical human interfaces and make sure that they're doing better in all of those regards. So leaders communicating, articulating, engaging on a consistent basis with their teams will be key. Teams that are delivering, executing these types of programs, having the the air cover from their leaders to operate in an open and transparent way to talk about difficulties as well as to talk about successes. And then thirdly, um, having the organizational uh, ecosystem, all the teams that that ultimately will have to embrace and drive this change forward, that they are also bought into it, they're communicated with, their concerns are taken into consideration, what is in it for them is part of the journey, the story, the benefits of two, what it will do to their workday, their the efficiency of how they operate, the kind of information that they have, their ability to serve customers better, that is, that's is—that's a critical part of, of some of the key changes that we'd look for organizations to put in place.
1: You said that leadership must develop an emotional connection with folks in the organization. That's a very interesting point and not, uh, not a point that one hears often. Would you elaborate on that? When you looked at the attributes
0: of transformation programs that were unsuccessful. A lot of them were connected to very negative emotions and and what people felt during the journey of doing that. That's, again, both the people in the core team, the leaders and sponsors of that program, as well as those within the organization. So The research that we did actually um, spoke to both leaders and some of the C-suite that drove these programs, but also workers, so those that have to um, do the heavy lifting and make this work. And A lot of the words that those people described and the feelings that they had um, in terms of the journey that they went on were super negative and gave a real sense that um, it's it's a real obvious uh, predictor of the likely success of something like that because those emotions will not get people all working towards the same kind of goal in the same way and, and, and be as effective Whereas the flip side was then very much the case, as you saw those that were successful, their different emotional journey. And so when you double-click into that as to why are they different, what is some of those points of the engagement, the way that leaders connect, the way that leaders tell the story of what it is um, that they're looking to put in place, but also the way they look after their workforce on the journey and not just set a vision at the outset and say right go off and execute and then just beat them up when you know every 3 months every 6 months progress is not being made so keeping people absolutely engaged committed but also showing empathy during the cycle recognizing that change is difficult
1: so there is this strong sense of connectedness
0: transformation by definition is a macro change it has to have it needs to be amplified across an organization. And therefore, the more people engage, buy-in, and connect to that and want to make that happen, you will get the benefits. So it's almost self-fulfilling in that, in that sense. But without it, you'll get into a cycle of why is it not working? How do we address this? And in many ways, it becomes worse because the behaviors then retrench into an even more difficult place when you get into that cycle. So finding the ways that individuals, it could be a call center clerk, it could be somebody working in a factory, it could be all of these individuals who ultimately will be touched by this. Could be those obviously have customer-facing relationships. If they don't understand that, that North Star is still, how that is going to be different for them and what behavior they need to show up differently the next day, Then they will never, they'll never do things.
1: We have a comment question from LinkedIn right on this set of issues from Suman Kumar Chandra. He comes back again and he says, Business transformation does require a shift of that leadership mindset that you were describing. But he's but he wonders, do you think that most senior leaders have an agile mindset? to begin with or do they undertake transformation due to market forces basically being forced to transform and here's the point and then expect the rest of the organization to change adapt and make it successful
0: i think that for sure there are market pressures that uh, that organizations obviously listed organizations um, have to react to, but obviously also competitive uh, market pressures if private companies or governments have expectations their citizens place on them in terms of various standards. so Of course, those things are always there. And A lot of that competitive threat will drive behavior and activity within organizations to respond and to do that quickly and, um, and then maybe not go so much on the journey that I've described. But I think if you ultimately, because um, you, you touched as well on, on the word when you picked up on me saying emotional, if you look at the emotional versus the rational and take this view that, the as your questioner has said, the, they don't have the agile mindset, a lot of leaders have got into the roles and the positions they are by taking very rational decisions, by thinking about things and the impacts that they will have in a very rational way. If you ultimately see the data that says, to embark on a transformation and to, and it to be successful, it requires these attributes, but to have an unsuccessful one requires a different set of attributes, then why would you rationally embark on one that displayed a bunch of the attributes that meant you are more likely to be unsuccessful? That doesn't actually rationally make any sense. So I think then what's incumbent on the leaders who may not have some of those EQ emotional connection skills is then rationally to say, well, how do I solve for that? So how do I find the right people, the right influencers, the right leaders, bringing people in potentially who can do that that are therefore going to make this an easier journey? And I think that, you know, some will want to go on that journey themselves individually and get a coach, do some things differently, do some reverse mentoring, all of these things to get to a better place themselves. But, of course, not everybody can change. So, if you know you can't, rationally, it still makes sense to you to put the provisions in place to make sure that you do that.
1: I think, which then begs the question, how does an organization begin transformation? I mean just just for example inside the you know the consulting consulting business itself is undergoing all kinds of change. So so how do you, how do you think about driving transformation if I, if I can ask you directly because that's you're in this this unique position.
0: Yeah and and, and it's interesting uh, being in the business that we're in and to a certain extent we are an organization that enables and hopefully supports our clients on their transformation journeys. And I'd say quite openly as, as, as for us as an organization, it's as hard for us to do to ourselves as it is helping and working with others to do that because fundamentally in to people, people generally speaking don't want to transform. They actually quite like doing what they did yesterday and the day before because there's a level of comfort that comes from that. So I think ultimately you've got the, the two, three false triggers that are clearly out there in terms, I mentioned earlier about the pandemic, that was a burning platform that came that you didn't have to make the case. It was very clear and obvious. Talk about services business, my business and EY, uh, but also a number of our competitors, we had to shift the business model literally overnight that was working directly on client sites, with our customers, with our clients, all of our people as a business. So we had to shift that. So in-person, high touch um, and visible with clients to remote, on video, um, working collaboratively with other people on a remote basis uh, and yet still making change happen. And so, fundamentally changed our business model and how we work and operate but i think the transition clients made it we made it other organisations made it the technology enabled it in a fantastic way so i think that enabled the change to to work much more effectively you've got other examples though that that clearly get triggered and and we talked about some of the other factors there Um, we've been through, um, for instance, with the the war in the Ukraine, we've had to make choices about our business footprints and what we do in Russia as a business. A number of companies have had to do that. So how do you make that kind of change? How do you do that? And that's been a hugely difficult emotional process with uh, teams and splitting up people and all kinds of things that has been very uh, difficult for us. So that, again, is another example of the nature of a change that gets forced upon you very quickly and that you need to, to make that change. But maybe on digital transformation, think about us as an, as a business. We need to – we we're effective. I, mean, I mentioned earlier EY is an organization with 350,000 people. So we are a people-based business. But we also need to transform digitally. So our clients, the expectation of stakeholders continues to be that we provide and and challenge ourselves to drive much more effectively, much more digitally in terms of every interaction that we have with them. And obviously working remotely is an example of that, but in the sales process and in our delivery process, how we transfer knowledge across our business, IP, how we codify solutions uh, so that clients can can get accelerated benefits from that. That's really important in the nature of our business. But it's really difficult to make happen for us. So just as it is for our clients to make those changes, it's really difficult to engage such a breadth of folks across so many different industries, so many different countries into the need to uh, come to a common and standard way of doing things. And it's a lot of change management. It's a lot of convincing of folks uh, that this is the right model and and you know all of these are the ways that we um we we get into challenges like that and we have those as an organization ourselves as much as we help others uh, to achieve and uh, work their way through these challenges as well
1: and we have a question from twitter on exactly this point you mentioned digital transformation and Arsalan Khan on Twitter. And he's a, Arsalan's a regular listener and he asks really insightful, thoughtful questions. And he says this We know digital transformation should be an organization wide effort. And here's the kicker he says, But why should anyone who is not inside IT or leadership actually care?
0: Digital is a lot about the adoption of modern technology to drive, and data um, to drive new ways of working and business practices. And, and Predominantly, the most significant use case has been around the pivot to be much more customer orientated, much more experience and engagement orientated around your customers, and that then driving much more into the value chain of how you digitize in order to fulfill that. My, my, if I use that as a premise, then I go back to the question and say, "Who are the people within an organisation who deliver on that promise?" Now, I think IT are a stakeholder in that, but I think ultimately customers very rarely interact with IT in any way, shape or form. They they interact with technology, but they very rarely interact with IT. And generally, if something goes wrong with their depending on on how they interface with the organization, the app that they're using, the website that they use. Um, It could be something that happens in terms of product delivery, whatever it may be. The first person they talk to is very rarely somebody who sits in IT. It's somebody in customer service. It's a call center rep. So if those individuals are not absolutely front and center in representing how to fix, how to help, how to make sure – Uh, these changes are adopted and adapted as fast as possible, then digital transformation will never be successful. So if digital is about, well, let's get onto cloud, let's let's implement data and AI capabilities in a much more effective way, let's build apps and modern software engineering techniques to deploy technology as fast as possible into our business. If you don't take the people that interface with your stakeholders, it could be your customers, it could be your vendors, it could be your regulators, uh, citizens, whoever it may be, then you'll find that your organization is not digitally transformed. You've just actually spent a lot of money on technology again. And we have a lot of organizations that have always spent a lot of money on technology, but fundamentally don't get the real benefits from that.
1: I have to say, I love the questions from the audience. And you guys in the audience, you should be asking lots of Questions. You guys are so smart, and we have a gr- another great question. And Elizabeth Shaw says, "Okay, so if transformation is a journey, how can organizations survive and thrive throughout that journey?"
0: The first way to thrive and survive uh, in any context is being open and honest about the fact that that's the new normal, and and engaging your people. Um, and be your customers and whoever you think will be impacted by that, in that being uh, the way you see your business going forward. So I think what that does then is give permission for people within the organization, especially employees, to be clear about what they can and can't achieve within that context. So how they can support that, what that means to them, how how that's going to change their, their way of way of working and, and way of operating. So I think it's really important that you engage in a discussion around that. And obviously, at the the leadership level, but that needs to cascade through the organization. So ultimately, it is about cultural change. So it's a, it's a, a way looking differently at how you do business that says we aren't necessarily going to be doing the same thing tomorrow that we did yesterday. And actually, part of making sure that we still exist tomorrow is that we need to change today in order to make sure that happens. And the more you do that incrementally, the easier it is. The more you kind of store that out to be something that's massive and significant, uh, I think then the harder it is to then survive and thrive, if you like. So I I think the more you accept this is culturally the way it needs to be, and you're open and honest with your employees to go on that journey, and that may mean as well that you reward different types of behaviors, skills, capabilities. Uh, in order to help on that journey, um I think that's the way you get through this.
1: It seems clearly to me that your theme here is this human element of connection when it comes to to transformation of of really any type.
0: I say that because I'm very passionate about that being the case. It's my experience in, in my thirty plus years of doing this in in working and seeing organizations who culturally, Want say they want to change, but culturally don't embrace any of the behaviours or changes required to enable that change. And then also the research, as I mentioned, now is is very much supporting that. And you know, I'm I'm you know if you unravel what I do now today from a management and leadership perspective, ultimately my core skill and competence is driving and executing on technology transformation programs, call them digital transformation programs, and and as much as I understand the importance of technology and as much as I understand the capability of what technology can do and drive and deliver and the benefits it can deliver to organizations, what I know is that unless the organization embraces it, it's a waste of money. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of of, um, resources. And oftentimes doesn't leverage the true benefits of that technology. So marrying up the huge advance, uh, advances that we've seen in the capability of technology. And bear in mind again, if you look at it from a B2B, a, a business perspective, if you like, the corporate organizations don't embrace technology to the sophisticated level that operate, that consumers do. So you're now with a very consumer literate organisation who have technology in every aspect of their lives and are very comfortable with it, and then they work in corporate organisations and think, "Wow, this technology is really clunky. It doesn't work in the way that my normal life works." So you have a captive audience now who are prepared and want to use better technology in the corporate environment. So you you have potential to engage those people to do it. It's just then about how do you tell that story that you're making their corporate lives much more easier based on how things work in their personal lives.
1: Picking up on this idea of telling that story so that it's engaging, so people feel that emotional connection so that they respond to it, Arsalan Khan on Twitter comes back and he says, "Okay." how do we make transformation not just another idea that leadership wants to do? How do we make it alive? And I'll ask you to answer relatively briefly because we're simply going to run out of time soon.
0: I don't think transformation is an idea in that context. I genuinely think the, the forces of change that I've described mean that there are existential issues for many organizations that they have to address. So, I think this is critical and compelling for them. Um, and I and I my general senses of speaking with with most most clients that are out there is that they understand and embrace that. So' I'm, I'm not sure I, I would agree with the premise of the question. I don't think people think it's just an idea. I think the evidence of what's happening in the market would suggest organizations are embracing it. The real challenge then is how do they do it in the most effective way?
1: At the very outset, you mentioned uh, diversity. Can you talk about the importance, the role of diverse teams?
0: If you have teams that you want to deliver change to, you have to acknowledge that your workforce is diverse. So, If all of the people that you're trying to um, drive and leverage in terms of transformation are of a, a singular mindset, it could be that they're all male, it could be that they're all of of a particular color, it could be that they're all of a particular mindsets, it could be that they're all of a particular geography, if you're doing it in a on a global basis or multi-country basis, that, by definition, is going to deliver suboptimal outcomes, because most workforces are diverse. Uh, most customer bases, for sure, are diverse. Um, and so if you don't take that into consideration, you'll miss things. But then if I also go to the and about open styles, and we talked about rational versus emotional, if, again, the diversity that you have will, by definition, make sure that that's embedded, if you like, because people will be more respectful of each other in diverse teams as opposed to accepting more of the command and control and more more of the, you do it because I told you to as opposed to wanting to hear any feedback or challenge in response to that. So I think, Diversity, in its broadest sense, in the true nature of the word, I think is critical in terms of mindset, in terms of different, um, you know, different types of individuals. In its truest sense, need to be part of that in order to make sure that the outcome uh, is also uh, built in that fashion.
1: What advice do you have for business leaders? If you could kind of sum it up, uh, what advice do you have for? business leaders that are looking at a major transformation project and just thinking, this is daunting. This is really hard. What advice do you have for those folks?
0: Change is hard. and I think um, acknowledging that is important, not to make it daunting, but to um, be honest about what you need to do in order to be successful in that regard. Because the alternative is not changing is not an option. So I think it's important that you get into that right, the the correct mindset. We've talked about the people aspect and the engagement there. I won't repeat um, that. But there are, I think, some key interventions and practices an individual can take in order to drive that. But the, the most important thing I'd say is that they have to think about this as something they have to work on for themselves. So if it's daunting, if it's challenging, if it's difficult, then how do they know they have the skills to do it? So unless they've done it three, four times before, who are they getting as a coach to help them on that journey? What skills are they getting coached on? Now, some of that is technical skills. They'll need to know whatever the technology platform solution is being put in place. But as I mentioned, on the people side, it could be also on the business outcome side what else do they need to know what are what are, what are the gaps do they have it could be for them personally but then also change is delivered by teams it's not delivered by individuals so who do you need what skills do you need in your team that will optimize your strengths but also then cover your weaknesses so that that's the way I would um outline that for those that find that daunting
1: one of the issues that I've seen in some organizations is uh, the leadership has a vision for the transformation. They clearly are describing it. And yet the transformation itself seems to not go anywhere. It seems to fizzle out. And, you know, inside the organization, there's people pushing back what advice do you have for for folks who are in that kind of situation for 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 leaders business leaders that are in that situation
0: there is a reason why people are pushing back so it's either that they don't want the change to happen or that they are fearful what the change in encouraging it will mean for them personally so the only way you're going to address that is by conversations with those individuals to work that through And then by a process of changing their view, um, changing the story in terms of how they see this, or actually maybe changing your own view of actually what the change needs to be in order to deliver the outcome, will help you through that. So as I say, you you don't deliver transformation unless the people you've said are pushing back, are pushing and leaning in and pushing forward on this thing. So you have to address that. There's no there's no alternative to that. And it's something a number of organizations have middle management that um, do make it hard for things to land appropriately. So I think it's really incumbent on leaders to connect with those middle managers and, and find ways through that, that empower and motivate them. Because generally speaking, middle managers want to succeed, want to transition, want to um, also um, get progress within the organization. So, finding the means to connect with them that enable them to do that, uh, I think, is a pathway to success.
1: Well, then I need to close out by asking you advice for those middle managers who are in that situation, who they're not comfortable with what's going on and they're not compensated in the right way, or whatever the issue might be. What advice do you have for those folks? it's
0: important that they let their voice be heard um and and try and organize themselves in order to to make that happen and and i i say that with some hesitation knowing that i'm sure some would if there are if any on this call would say yeah but that that's easy to say but it's next to impossible to do but i think finding ways that with their colleagues for instance they could talk through this and make representation to leadership about um, not challenging what they want to do or the outcome that they want to achieve, but maybe offering alternatives that based on their proximity to you know the field if you like, or the real business, their, their points of view of how they could affect um, that much more easily, more efficiently um, with less challenges. I think being positive about raising challenges, I think is a means to do that. I think then otherwise it's it's um, you know working and and being prepared to challenge yourself with others that were uh, clearly influencers of change and are positive to say well why why are they positive towards this but I'm negative so what I think you you can't always assume that your view is the right one so if there are people advocating for this then is it something you're missing so be open minded and be prepared to see the alternative point of view as I say, you know you you can resist changes in an organization. it may mean that the success the transformation therefore is not successful. That generally is not good for any middle manager's career.
1: Okay, be open-minded on both sides, listen and try to understand what the other side is finding important, problematic, or or positive. And with that, we are out of time. So, I want to say a huge thank you to Errol Gardner. He is the Global Vice Chair for Consulting at EY. Errol, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us.
0: I appreciate it. It's been been great and fascinating questions. Um, So, I appreciate those coming in and appreciate talking with you as well.
1: And to everybody who asked questions and who watched, thank you. You guys are an amazing audience. I urge you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button at the top of our website so we can send you our newsletter. Check out CXOTalk.com. We have excellent, really excellent shows coming up and the schedule. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you next time.